Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am your host. And I've got a great conversation for you today with Miss Jessica Navin. Jessica is, although she lives and works in Denver, Colorado right now, um, actually kind of globe trots all over the world. Jessica is an Omaha native, and we sit down and have an amazing conversation about ordinary spiritual warfare. Jess kind of breaks open what's really at root of spiritual warfare, uh, the, the battle for our hearts and our minds, the enemy's attempt to steal our faith. It's great. She gives unbelievably helpful tips about how we can follow the trajectory of our thoughts to recognize what's going on, uh, where the enemy is at work, and how we can use scripture as a weapon to defend ourselves. We take a great little tangent talking about how spiritual warfare shows up in families and in relationships with spouses. She lists pitfalls to avoid, and she's going to challenge you that there's there's not an easy silver bullet. But in fact, when the Lord allows it, it's for some greater good as we learn to ask him, Lord, what are you, what are you doing and how can I cooperate? This is a great conversation, super practical, super helpful. If anybody here ever feels like somebody's messing with them, you're going to love today's episode. Take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha, designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Jessica Navin. Welcome to the EquipCast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? You know, I am I am great. It is it, normally I don't like to like announce like and we're recording on the day or happy, you know, whatever, happy anniversary or feast day of, but we were both before we hit record, we were talking. Here we are talking about ordinary spiritual warfare on the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, right? Our Queen of Victory. And that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good appropriate day to have this, have this conversation. So I am super pumped to, to, to jump into this, but we have a little tradition here on the Equip Cast. We always like to start letting people kind of like tell a little bit of their faith journey. So Jessica, when, when did you first encounter Jesus? Give us a little glimpse into your story. Yeah. So I grew up in a Catholic family and we went to church on Sundays. Um, I don't, remember being particularly devout. Uh, But then when I was about 13 years old, I decided that I was going to wake up early the next morning to pray the rosary. And this was very unusual for me. And I don't remember what was so on my heart that I thought I'm going to pray. But all I had was a children's Mm. book to teach me how to do it. And so I woke up early that next morning. I remember it was six o'clock in the morning. And I was praying the first mysteries in the book. So the mystery of the Annunciation. And as I was praying the rosary, I felt God's love. I felt that he was living inside of me, that he was pleased with me, that I was his child. And that moment changed the trajectory of my entire life. And so, yeah, the next day I woke up half hour early again to pray the rosary. The next day it was an hour And pretty soon it got to be where in middle school, I was praying three hours a day. And I think God needed to give me all of that. Naturally, right? That's just (laughs) the common middle school thing. 
Yeah, I think wow. God needed to give me all of those consolations in prayers that I'd keep praying. And I think he needed to snatch me when I was young because perhaps I wouldn't have come any other way. But yeah, that that grace has lasted throughout my whole life. And so I'm very grateful to Our Lady of the Rosary and happy to talk with you on her feast day. Yeah, holy cow. Well, and I mean, as a parent of teenagers, I'm like, that's a minor miracle getting a teenager up <laughs> like voluntarily at 6 a.m. Wow, that's great. So fast forward, right, teenager to now. Tell everybody a little bit about your day job. Yeah, so now I work for Focus, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. I was I started my time with Focus in 2011, and I started Focus assisting with logistics for the retreat program, Mm -hmm. which was just started up then. It was in its second year, I think. And uh, I've worked for Focus for about 10 years. I have planned retreats, led retreats. I took over the retreat program a few years ago. And now I serve Focus as manager of spiritual formation. So I still write retreats and lead them. But I also oversee Focus's spiritual direction training program, which trains our alumni to become directors for our current staff. Hmm. I offer workshops and retreats for our staff. I speak on different topics and I offer spiritual direction. So a wide variety of things that I do there, but it's all related to spiritual formation. Okay. Well, and that's making me feel, I mean, I, you know, right. I knew actually what you did, but now that everybody else does, I feel even better though. I feel like we're in a good spot talking about spiritual warfare. Jess, I wanted to talk about this because there's kind of an assumption that, that I, that I bring in that one, people don't tend to think about spiritual warfare real often or maybe, maybe not in a balanced way. So I'm just going to start with an assertion here. And if this doesn't go well, I don't know if our conversation has anywhere to go afterwards, but I, <laughs> I think you're going to agree with me on this. So I'll just kind of assert that there's, there's a middle space in between the really extreme spiritual warfare you know, that you, you read about with some of the saints, Padre Pio, you know, St. John Vianney and others where the devil's appearing to them and, you know, just all sorts of, well, this, we'll skip this stuff, but all sorts of freaky stuff. And this kind of like, yeah, the devil really never messes with me, right? I just live this beautiful, carefree life, and there's no interference of the devil in my life. Is it fair to assume that there's kind of this middle space that many of us kind of occupy where, you know, we we have some degree of spiritual warfare in our life that the Lord allows just appropriate to our, our own faith and maturity? Absolutely. The majority of spiritual warfare is the common spiritual warfare that people experience. And people do, they tend to think of only possession. And that's the only thing that the devil does. But the reality is, if you compare it to a natural war, possession might be more like using a nuclear bomb. But the majority of warfare is not a nuclear bomb. It's boots on the ground, or it's less powerful bombs different weapons, but the majority of warfare isn't just nuclear warheads. And the same in the spiritual life. Uh, The majority of spiritual warfare is much more common and subtle. And you have to work all the way up to possession, but Mm. it never also starts with possession. 
There's a building Mm. process. It always starts with the most common forms of spiritual warfare, which would be temptations to sin and especially the lies that we believe. Evil Mm. spirits lie to us. Spiritual warfare is a battle for the mind because it's a battle for your faith and faith is an intellectual virtue. And so demons, they want to attack your faith most Mm. of all. Say more about that because I feel like, I mean, just right there, I think you just kind of exploded a number of, I think, stereotypes you know, that we imagine, again, thank you, or, or, or no thank you, Hollywood, right? For like that, that spiritual warfare is, is more about a, you know, a physical manifestation. And you're like, no, it's kind of about the way you think. Like, expand that out a little bit more. Exactly. Well, I think that people's ideas about spiritual warfare are either that spiritual warfare is really big stuff, like Padre Pio getting beat up by demons, or it's the microphone isn't working at our Catholic event. And if the microphone isn't working, I'd say odds are it's probably because the person using the microphone doesn't know how to make it work. Yeah, check the batteries. Yeah. Right. But, you know, when you look at these things, so often people will say my flat tire was spiritual warfare or whatever. Those probably are not demonic tactics because they don't help the demons to get to their end goal. Mm. A war is always strategic. In a battle, you want to take a strategic place, like maybe a place on a hill that gives you Mm -hmm. a good uh, perspective on the terrain around you uh, or a place with a water tower. It needs to be strategic to help you achieve your end goal. What's a demon's end goal? A demon's end goal is to separate you from God. Mm -hmm. And so does popping your tire help separate you from God? Probably not. But does lying to you help separate you from God? Yeah, especially if that lie is given over and over and over again. And so if they're going to separate you from God, they have to ultimately attack your faith. So that's where the battle is. It's a Mm -hmm. battle for your faith. Do you believe who God says he is and who God says you are and the promises that God has made you? Or do you not? Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm just, <laughs> I kind of want to just go to the chapel and and <laughs> pray a little bit now, but Jess, that's really, I mean, that's, that's really powerful. Talk about, as you were saying that, I was like, yeah, and I bet hope and love have something, you know, the other kind of theological virtues have something to do with this as well. Because I think, at least in my experience, it, what you're saying rings true. Absolutely. It's my faith. And like, what do I believe about myself? What do I believe about God? But often I think what happens is when I'm uh, giving into spiritual warfare and maybe it's, I've started to believe the lie. And so I'm discouraged and whatever, but then my love very quickly diminishes and I'm cranky with the people around me. And I take out my frustration on someone who's totally, you know, probably a little person in my household, you know, no one, no one at all connected to the original frustration. How does it kind of spill over to the way we, you know, to our hope and our love as well? Yeah, well, uh, hope relates to the promises that God has made me. Um, Do I believe that those are for me? And Mm. you see people get attacked a lot, especially if they have maybe prayers that they've been praying for a really long time and God hasn't answered. Mm. And then uh, the spiritual warfare can be around. Why hasn't that prayer been answered? That promise is true for everybody else, but not for you. God doesn't Mm -hmm. love you. 
But then with love, with the theological virtue there, it is about our love for neighbor, but it's primarily about our love for God. Mm -hmm. And so where the Edema attacks there is still through faith. Because he's going to try to convince you that God is not lovable and you don't want union with him. Mm -hmm. He has abandoned you or he's a demanding father who is just judging you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's being asked is beyond you. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's take a step to kind of really translate this, make this practical. Just in our experience, how can we tell? when we're experiencing spiritual warfare and not just some natural obstacle, a la flat tire, check the batteries in the microphone. How Mm -hmm. how do we tell, right? When we're just, this is spiritual warfare. That's a great question. And that's a lot of times that's what people want to know. Am I in spiritual warfare or not? Mm -hmm. And usually the answer is there's probably both the natural and the supernatural going on. Yeah. So a demon, it's kind of like, the hyenas in the Lion King, they always try to attack the weakest member of the right. herd. Get a little sick one. <laughs> right, exactly. Demons want to attack us where we are weakest. And so when there's natural stuff going on in our lives, mm. something goes wrong with the event that we're planning, or um, maybe we've just got a lot going on in our lives. Uh, there's a lot of stress or sure. illness. We're just tired. Like yeah. 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 That's when we are weakest. And so that's when they're most likely to attack us. And so is there a way to tell for certain, am I going through spiritual warfare? Is this just natural? Well, there's no 100% foolproof way right. to there's, do it. There's no, like, there's no test strips that you can kind of dip in. <laughs> exactly. Your... Like COVID, you'll know in 15 minutes. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's not like that. But the, the most obvious thing to do is to address both realities. So if you're going through something natural, like say somebody is having thoughts, God has abandoned me, uh, I am unlovable, maybe they're suffering from depression. So you want to treat both. First hmm. of all, go to counseling or something else that can address uh, the situation in your emotional life right now. Mm-hmm. Go to confession and make sure that serious sin is off your soul. And then also just look at your thoughts and renounce them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those thoughts will just be natural thoughts that occur because of a difficult situation. Sometimes they will be demons inspiring those thoughts within us, Mm -hmm. trying to lie to us and tempt us. We have to reject those thoughts because they're not true. And whenever we accept something that's not true, we let the enemy into our lives. It's kind of like Mm -hmm. how um, in China, they built the Great Wall around China in order to protect it from invading armies. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the history of China, there are dynasties that last for a number of years or centuries. And then there's a new dynasty that comes in. So where did those people come from if Mm -hmm. the Great Wall was protecting China? Those people, those invading armies got into China because they bribed the guards at the walls. And so demons try to bribe us to get into our lives by telling us these lies. And when we believe Mm -hmm. them, we're like the guard that lets the enemy into our walled city. Wow. So we need to reject those thoughts. 
And we also, you know, it doesn't hurt to say, I'm not sure if I'm going through spiritual warfare or not. I'm just going to say a prayer like the St. Michael prayer. And if after I say that prayer, things get a little bit better, well, then, yeah, it was probably spiritual warfare. And Jesus just answered my prayer and delivered me. Praise God. Yeah, Jess, I I, I really appreciate this because, I mean, I kid you not, I've actually heard people speaking about spiritual warfare that have come at it, I think, from both extremes. Some people mm-hmm. to say your first response should be, you know, assume it's spiritual warfare. And, and then others are like, well, assume that it's natural, you know, and then when you've exhausted all the natural o- obligations, then maybe turn to God. And I love you're like, well, I mean, try both, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. pray to Jesus as you check the batteries in the microphone. <laughs> Like exactly. Just, yeah, do both at the same time, knowing that a, a one or the other dichotomy is going to be unusual because the enemy preys off our natural weakness or the circumstances right. in front of us. That's yeah, I feel like that's so helpful. And St. Thomas Aquinas says virtue is in the middle. And so mm-hmm. when you hear people say, well, always assume that it's spiritual warfare or always assume that it's not. That's not a middle position. It's yeah. extreme. And so probably we're getting off into an imbalance in the spiritual life. We need yeah. to return to the middle. Yeah. No, I mean, I love it. Like, it's like, oh, I'm feeling a little down. It's like, well, I mean, go to bed early, take a walk mm-hmm. and maybe pray as you walk. You know, just, yeah, I love it. Jess, I forget what you said. Kind of like there's, well, there's the bribing, the bri- bribing the guards and the lies. Mm-hmm. How do we recognize the the lies? And I, I hope that's a helpful question because I'm not, I mean, obviously, like we, we all at some level know the truth, but is there a way that we can recognize a lie that's being whispered to us? Yeah, well, and one of the difficulties with the lies is that they often have a kernel of truth. It's like we notice this in the garden uh, when yep. Satan tempts Eve. Did God say this to you? Well, no, he said this. And it's subtle, but there are half-truths in there, but then there's a lie. And so we need to examine our thoughts. And Mm. there will oftentimes be truth in there. But where are our thoughts leading us? Are they leading us to an increase in faith, hope, and charity in God? Then they come from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, if they're causing you to doubt and to make it feel like God is far away from you and your very real problems, then those are probably from the evil spirit and they should be rejected. Wow. I just want I just want to like highlight that again. It's like, it's not so much that you can maybe look at an individual thought and say, yeah, that, that's from the devil. But as you see the trajectory, it's like every time I start thinking about that, I get tired and discouraged and lonely and overwhelmed. And it's in the trajectory, if I'm understanding you right, in the trajectory, we can say, okay, this is probably not God. Exactly. Well, and sometimes it is you, but if it's (laughs) either of you or it's of the demon, you don't want it. You only want thoughts that are of God. And so sometimes I've had people come to me with a recurring thought that they're Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know if this is of an evil spirit or not. Um, Like say there is a person who really wants to be married and they Mm -hmm. keep thinking, I've prayed for this long and God hasn't answered my prayer. He's probably not going to. Now, 
that seems uh, pretty reasonable. Like maybe if somebody has prayed for something for a long time, they think God's not going to answer the prayer, mm-hmm. but there's a little bit of a lie in there mm-hmm. because one, that, that thought is not leading you to God. So it's probably not from a good source, but two, God always answers our prayers. God always ans- always hears us. God might not give you what you are asking for in the way that you are asking for it, mm-hmm. but God always answers our prayers. And so that thought could be of the person. It could be of the evil spirit, but either way you want to reject it and you want to claim the truth that Jesus tells us in scriptures. The father always hears us. The father mm-hmm. answers our prayers when we call on him. Yeah. Like he's, I want to be married, but the desire behind that is I want companionship and intimacy and love. And God's like, I'm giving you companion, intimacy, and love. If not yet, us of five, eight, dark haired, blue eyed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Companion. Yeah. 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 Okay. This this is, so what I want to ask here then is like, what do you do? <laughs> so you're like, oh crap, I I'm stuck in a loop here, right? Whether again, whether it's from me or whether it's a suggestion of the enemy or it was a suggestion of the enemy, and now it's just a tape that I play in my own head. What do you do when you recognize, crap? I've this is an unhelpful thought pattern. It's spiritual warfare. How do you handle it? Absolutely. So first, you want to identify what the actual thought is and where is the temptation here. Oh, I'm actually being tempted against faith Mm -hmm. or I'm being tempted in some other way. Then when you go to confession, confess any sins that have come as a result of that thought, that temptation. But it's also really good to confess your temptations. St. Ignatius talks about this because he says that Mm. the enemy is like a licentious lover. (laughs) Licentious means a liar, right? A lying lover. Yes. Yes. Um, and this lover wants to seduce a woman who has a good husband or a good father. And so he wants her to keep his seduction secret because if she tells the good husband or the good father, what's going to happen, he's going to make it stop. Now, can you imagine Mm -hmm. a very unworthy man pursuing your daughter and trying to get her to go too far? If she tells you he's doing this, he will not exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a dad with a teenage yeah. daughter. You'd be obliterated. Like yeah. And so the devil acts the same way with us. He wants us to keep our temptations mm. secret. So one of the best things that we can do is revealing confession. Like I haven't actually sinned through this, but I keep having this temptation against faith or this temptation against chastity or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And when we reveal those things in confession, God is going to take care of that. Mm -hmm. And we're also going to get really good advice from the spiritual director or from the confessor about how to handle those temptations. But when we just try to uh, keep it to ourselves, that gives the enemy more power in our lives. So that's one thing that we can do is reveal our temptations. Wow. Just bring it to light. Yeah. Just speak it. Yeah. That's awesome. But another thing that we should do is, okay, we've identified the exact temptation. What we should do is memorize a scripture that is opposite of that. Mm. The desert fathers talk about this. The desert fathers, they went off into the desert to pray. But at that time in 
church history, it was believed that when demons were not persecuting people, they lived in the desert and they roamed in the desert and waited Mm -hmm. for a new person to persecute. So the desert fathers went into the desert to pray and to worship God, but also to battle demons. Yeah, to fight. And they got really good at it. And the seven deadly sins actually comes out of the tradition from the desert fathers, but Mm -hmm. they identify them as the seven deadly thoughts, which I think is is a really powerful way to look at it because you might not have sinned this way yet, but it's a deadly thought. And who is the father of death? It's the devil. Yeah. Father of lies. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They come from the devil. And so the desert fathers got really good at fighting evil spirits. And they started to write manuals for monks that would follow them into the desert. Mm -hmm. And they would say, okay, here is how the demon of pride works. And here are scripture verses that you can say back to the demon of pride when it comes and it tempts you. So they call this practice talking back and they get it from the scripture passage where Satan tempts Jesus and Jesus responds with scripture. And that's so powerful because the word of God has creative power. Mm -hmm. And so when you speak the word of God in your life, it unleashes the creative power of God in your life. It transforms your soul and it makes Satan Mm -hmm. flee from you. Yeah, I love that because I think it's so deep in the Catholic tradition to, I, I, I mean, literally to use scripture as a weapon, as as a two-edged sword. But it feels like we've kind of forgotten that and, you know, that it that somehow it's become just a, a Protestant thing. But this is this is like who we are. Uh, this is how we defend ourselves. We, mm-hmm. we use scripture to keep the devil at bay. And to kind of pierce through that the the fog and the and the lies that we're we're being persecuted with. Exactly. Wow, that's okay. What else? So scripture. What else? Uh, I think a really powerful practice is the examine prayer. So this is a fifteen minute prayer that uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola recommended to his followers, where mm-hmm. at the end of the day you ask God to enlighten you. And then you pray through the day, you identify blessings and you thank God for those blessings. And you also review your day. Mm -hmm. And then uh, based on your review of day, talk about that in a second, you notice the ways that you've sinned and you ask for forgiveness. And then you make a resolution looking to tomorrow. But here's the thing is that most people, when they review their day, they only look at how did I act? Did Mm -hmm. I snap at people less than I normally do. Okay, that's good. But very few people review their day based on what they believed, what Mm -hmm. thoughts they were having. And if somebody prays this prayer each evening and reviews their day and said, what thoughts was I having? Was I having thoughts of trust in God, even though I'm in a difficult situation? Or was I sinking into doubt? Then they can Mm -hmm. begin to see how the enemy is working in their lives. Mm-hmm. And they can ask God's forgiveness for when they legitimately believed the lies of the enemy rather than the truth that God has presented in his word. And they can make a resolution tomorrow. Great resolution. Look up a scripture verse that counteracts the lie you've been believing. Wow. And just just a little like, where do you find those? If you're like, duh, I mean, 
where do I start at the beginning? Like, I mean, how do you, I've, I've got a couple ideas, but I'm curious what you're going to say. How do you find a scripture verse that counteracts your fear or your pride or your insert, you know, temptation here? Google. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say. That's awesome. Well, I mean, the, thank the you, Sergey. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> you know, Catholics don't realize how much scripture that they actually do know. Yes. It's just that they can't quote it as exactly as they wish they could. So right, the best yeah. thing would be, okay, Lord, I've identified this lie. Please give me a scripture verse that combats it. Pray and wait and see if scriptures start coming to your mind. And you mm -hmm. might not know them completely. But then right. that's when Google can actually be used for the powers of good rather than evil. Right. Yeah. Like just you type it. I'm thinking like almost every Catholic knows, Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Mm -hmm. You may have no idea where that is, but thank you, Google. If you just type that in, you get the whole verse, you get the context. And now I've got a place to go pray. Exactly. Now I'm like, oh, I think it's the centurion, by the way. Right. And it's like, oh, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go sit with a centurion and like, man, that guy's cool. So yeah, suddenly you've got a place for your, your next meditation. Exactly. Well, and there's also, you can look up these manuals that the desert fathers wrote. I think the most famous one would be Evagrius on prayer and the Procticos. So the Procticos is very practical. Like here are the spirits at work. Here are the things they say, and here's how you respond. I okay. love that book. Okay. We're going to cite it for the show notes, but just real quick, how do you spell Evagrius? Evagrius, E-V-A-G-R-I-U-S. Uh, okay, Evagrius. And we're going to, we'll, we'll cite it in the, in the show notes. Uh, but that that's awesome because like, how cool is it that like Google gets us to the Desert Father's wisdom and mm -hmm. how to, how to talk back. Exactly. Good. I mean, not like this isn't amazing and enough, but anything else and like just how we handle this. Handling spiritual warfare. Yeah. yeah, I would have one more tip, but this is specifically for spiritual warfare in marriage. Mm. God wants us to be united in love and especially a husband and a wife. And so the devil's main goal in a marriage is to break it up, mm. to cause disunity, to undo what God has brought together. Mm -hmm. And so he can't do this as long as the spouses see each other as lovable things. St. Mm -hmm. Thomas Aquinas says that the principal effect of love is union. If you love someone, you want to be with them. So the devil tries to convince spouses that the other person is not lovable. Mm -hmm. And he does this by trying to influence your perceptions or maybe bringing images from your memory of past hurts so mm -hmm. that you keep chewing on them and not letting them go. Mm -hmm. Your marriage is so precious and it's your way to heaven. And so you have to guard your marriage and you have to uh, protect each other in spiritual warfare. One of the primary ways that you do that is making a firm resolve to see your spouse the way Jesus sees them. Mm -hmm. And if you're struggling and you're starting to see your spouse as someone who is not lovable, then one, that's probably because there have been hurts. And you need to pray and forgive your spouse in the name of Jesus and ask Jesus to help you to forgive those things and let them go. But yeah. then you also need to pray for the grace to see your spouse the way Jesus sees them. Wow. Jess, that's huge because, I mean, I, I, can, I can just testify, I think, him and I, in our relationship, 
have noticed, for lack of a better way to describe it, a coordinated attack. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll come home and, you know, five minutes, you know, and all of a sudden, like, you know, we're fighting about something. And then later that night, we're like, we're saying we're sorry. And then we're kind of like debriefing, like, what just happened there? And we realized like all day long, him has been tempted to think of herself and the Lord and me in a particular way. And, you know, particular insecurities have been messed with all day. And then for me, it's the same, but they're you know, different, different insecurities. But the whole thing is set up so that when we come home, like there's this like ignition and we come together and it's only later. It's like, man, we were both messed with, picked on subtly the whole day to set us up for this moment of frustration that would be a fight. And, and you know, the end result was like a, wow, I'm so sorry, you know, an empathy and a sympathy for one another. But that coordinated attack was a was a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing I've noticed in marriages is that the devil can play off of the different ways that men and women begin to naturally sin. Like we see mm-hmm. this in the garden where the punishment for sin is certain inclinations. So Mm -hmm. one, we see that the man's punishment for sin is that he has to work. Mm -hmm. And the woman's punishment for sin is that she will be inclined towards her husband. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in marriage situations when spouses are having difficulties, they go to these natural inclinations where the man doesn't want to work. He just wants to check out and go to his man cave and not deal with Mm -hmm. difficulties. And the woman, her inclination is towards her husband. She wants to tell him what to do. And these two things, they exacerbate each other. The more she tells him what to do, the more he wants to check out. Run away. And then she's like, but I have to tell him because he's not doing anything. And so you see this spin cycle in marriage and the devil can really exacerbate that. But it's improved so much when we recognize the strengths that our spouse has rather than their weaknesses and their weak inclinations. And we try to love them both in their strengths and weaknesses, but really thank them for what they bring to the marriage and their strengths and just admit, yeah, I have weaknesses. My desire is to control him or my desire is just not to have to work at this. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on myself and I'm going to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you're, as you're talking there, I felt moved that, you know, as we are laboring to see the Lord or excuse me, see our spouse or anyone for that matter, but spouse as the Lord sees them uh, to to love them. There's a couple of great places. I think about 1 Corinthians 13, uh, had a a friend, a spiritual director recommend this. It's right. That's the famous love is patient. Love is kind. It shows up in marriages all the time. What are wedding, wedding readings to insert the person, spouse or coworker, whatever person you're having, child, person you're having a, a problem with, you know, Kim is patient. Kim is kind. Mm. You know, and 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 at first when it was suggested to me, it's like, well, that's ridiculous because no, <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> and I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever. And then I'm like, you know, halfway through the meditation, I'm like, oh, oh wow. And I started to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, there's a similar section uh, in in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians for, you know, he said, if there is anything good, anything worthy of praise, anything 
and I think actually the context of that one is actually it is about a conflict resolution. And he's like, if there's anything good in this person, think about that. Yeah, anything exactly. Kind, anything, anything worthy of praise. And if you do, it takes effort, right? It's like back to the mind. But if I do that, my goodness, does that dissipate the challenge and the pain and the frustration? And I mean, it's not magic, but it's close. Exactly. <laughs> or it can feel like it. Yeah. Well, we're conforming our minds to the mind of Christ. Yeah. I love it. Jessica, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about just some pitfalls to, to avoid. Because, I mean, I feel like we're in a really good space. You know, we're practical and get kind of like right in that Aquinas middle. Uh, what are some of the, the pitfall that, pitfalls, though, that we need to be aware of as we think mm-hmm. about trying to deal with spiritual warfare in our lives? What do we want to avoid? Yeah. Well, so first of all, we want to avoid extreme positions about spiritual warfare. Mm. Either the devil never attacks me or the devil is behind every red light that I get. Mm-hmm. And so we want to have that balanced middle perspective. Yes, mm-hmm. I do get attacked, but so what? This is all part of my greater spiritual journey. Yeah. Second thing that we want to avoid is thinking that I need to stop this spiritual warfare as soon as possible. And I need to find a silver bullet prayer that is going to make everything stop. Mm. Because if you found a prayer that just made all of the difficulties that you're going through stop, you're missing the point. Demons could not affect you in any way unless Jesus, your Lord, allowed it. Now, that's a very interesting question to think, oh, no, Jesus is allowing this. He gave them permission. Now I want to know why is he allowing it? How is he using this for my good? Exactly. It's all about you growing in virtue, growing in his image. It's about your greater spiritual journey. And so the most important question when people go through spiritual warfare is not, how can I make this stop? It's why is Jesus allowing it? And that's amazing. I mean, I feel like, I mean, the the way you said it, like uh, looking for that magic, you know, silver bullet prayer. I think that's what most of us do. And it's like, well, is it, you know, if it's, it's, is it better if it's longer? There probably, there needs to be more Latin in it. And it's like, okay, I need mm-hmm. to get Mary and I need to, I need to name drop all the saints. And it's like, no, 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 settle down. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? How are you loving me at this? Cause I know you are, I know you're loving me at this moment. What, where are you in this? Exactly. And he's like a good coach. You know, we all love movies like, I don't know, Rocky or those other movies where somebody's getting trained for battle or for a great fight. Yeah. You know that they're the good guy and their coach lets them get beat up a little bit because it's strengthening them for the yeah. fight. And the coach always believes in them. He knows that they can win, but they have to go through a really rigorous training. And mm-hmm. the spiritual warfare is building up our spiritual muscles so mm-hmm. that we can win the ultimate fight. And that right. we can grow in the image of Jesus. Yeah, like like literally, we are strengthening our faith, you know, our thinking in conformity to the Lord. Man, I, I love it. Just this has gone so fast. Any closing kind of comments or encouragement stories uh, that you want to share here? Yeah, well, I, I just encourage people 
Don't give up. If you think that you are going through spiritual warfare, Jesus is allowing it for your good. He's going to bring something really good out of it. And mm-hmm. so you can be heartened that something good is going to happen in your life. And I just encourage people not to become overly obsessed with spiritual warfare or think that they uh, need to learn all of these prayers, long prayers or something, but pray the rosary mm-hmm. because Satan's greatest em- enemy is actually Mary. Mm-hmm. He's more humiliated when he's defeated by Mary than when he's defeated by Jesus. Because mm-hmm. Jesus is God, but Mary is just a lowly creature. And so you can do really simple things like offer your rosary for spiritual warfare that day. And when you put everything in the hands of Mary, you know that your mother is going to deliver you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That is a great way to, to finish. Jessica, we're gonna hi- we're gonna highlight you know, Evagrius here. We're gonna put him in in the show notes. Any other kind of resources that you would really recommend? You're like, yeah, people, you know, who are feeling the appropriate desire to to like dive in a little bit deeper. What what would you recommend? Yeah, there's a book called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity, which has lots of deliverance prayers in it, some healing prayers. And it's got a few pages of introduction at the beginning, which I really like because Mm -hmm. a lot of Catholics can feel uncertain. What can I do versus what a priest should do? Mm -hmm. And all of that is addressed in a really clear and succinct way in the introduction pages to this book. So I recommend Mm, that book. Um, I also uh, love St. Faustina's Diary for a lot of different reasons, but there is a section of St. Faustina's Diary that is when Jesus preaches a retreat for St. Faustina and <laughs> nobody else was available. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. But one of the conferences that he gives St. Faustina is on spiritual warfare. And there's 25 points on spiritual warfare that Jesus gives St. Faustina. And there is an article, I believe on Catholic exchange that talks about this section of her diary. And it's very good. Very succinct as well, uh, but very powerful advice. That's awesome. We will link to those in the show notes. Um, Again, for those of you, some of you are driving now and like, wait, but like pause, you know, you need to like click on these links uh, for the show notes. You need to share this out with a friend uh, who, you know, uh, needs to hear this. Jessica, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for everything you do. This has been a fantastic conversation. All right, everybody, you know your first step here, right? Get to your destination, uh, but like pray the rosary. Check this out. Let the Lord come to your aid and not only kind of free you from maybe the spiritual warfare, but let him show you how he's loving you and growing you in uh, the challenge you're facing. All right. Thanks again, Jessica. My pleasure. My pleasure.